I'm here on Monday afternoon, 5.30 p.m. with Rob McDaniels, who just announced that Beatport was waiving all of their fees tomorrow during a music industry blackout Tuesday in response to really, I mean, craziest weekend of all time of our lives, probably. That, that's not ended. I don't think it's ever been. We've never experienced this, right? Nothing close. I mean, there was, uh, depending on how old you are, I'm a little bit older than you, but, you know, the Rodney <laughs> King and L.A. riots. Sure. And, and I mean, I think I'm... But were they in a pandemic group. also? Probably not in a pandemic, <laughs> no. Uh, or th there may have been some viruses flying around, but we just didn't know about them. Like, we know about them now, right? Right. So. It is a crazy, crazy time. Well, I wanted to it say is. that it's right tough, away. It's tough on a lot of people. Like, that you guys, I mean, that's incredible that waiving all the fees on on our blackout tuesday it's it's a beautiful solidarity and especially for a company like beatport that as you can attest like if we're talking about you know dance music we're talking about black music and mm -hmm. we got to support we have to be loud yeah. And that's what we wanted to do. I mean, you know, we had seen, you know, we certainly weren't first with the message of support and, and solidarity with the, with the black community and, and really all communities that are discriminated against. But we, I needed some time. I was kind of struggling with it a little bit um, in terms of what to do, because I didn't want to just say that we supported them. I wanted to act on that. And you know, I, I believe, you know, we're lucky in the electronic you know, music world and DJ culture. It's, it's typically more inclusive than most, more diverse mm -hmm. than most. Um, and we come to work each and every day with the goal of helping to populate dance floors all over the world with, with great music that people just come together and dance to no matter what you know, color they are or gender or anything else. And, and, um, and so we just, that's how we come to work every day. And, and we want to spread that message and help educate people. And, and so that's why it just, it, it sort of struck me that we needed to try to just do something more and, and, you know, in a very quick amount of time. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I think, a lot of what we're struggling with is an education issue because, you know, human beings discriminate. There's a sort of a broad spectrum of degrees of discrimination, if you will. Um, and I think that a, a large part of people who have sort of extreme discrimination uh, in the form of racism or sexism or whatever, um, that they, don't necessarily have the education uh and mm. so if we could donate some money to you know an organization that is help helps to educate uh on social justice and racial equality then that's at least a step in the right direction and maybe other music companies will do the same and as you know you know typically in these dark moments it's it's the art world that sort of helps to helps to lead the way in trying to transform people's way of thinking and uh and so you know we got to do what we can as a as a music industry participant how do you go about thinking where to put those resources well 
we do what we can financially, but we, you know, we obviously do what we can just in the course of our business in terms of promoting diversity and gender equality and social justice, just in, in what we, we do and in trying to give musicians of all types, a voice and a platform and the opportunity to connect with people around the world, whether they're making music, performing music. Um, uh, and so, you know, I, I feel, you know, very blessed and, and uh, privileged uh, to be able to do that. I think that it's a, it's a wild time to be thinking about these things because the issue is so multifaceted right now, more than ever, where, you know, we could have had this conversation five days ago we could go whatever. And it's a heavy conversation. It's, it's like, it's basically the same conversation, except now it's just multiplied and extreme. But, you know, my notes for, for a conversation like this are similar just because of, of the, it's, it's pre-pandemic, during pandemic, and now with, you know, rioting in the streets. But our entire economic and, and creativity model has been shaken up where a few years ago someone could like the 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 two ways that that someone could release a song and make some money off that song through a sync or whatever and someone could release a song and get it charting on beatport and get a bunch of dj gigs and that is you know in, in many ways gone and, you know, there was a great article a few weeks ago that was just saying, uh, you know, when exposure is the only thing there is, what do you do? What's the value of exposure? Um, it's a huge challenge. You know, DJs especially, a lot of people, their nightly gigs, their tours, they're done. I don't know, you know, what, what do you think, like, what's the new model? This is a broad question. Well, <laughs> yeah, um... Definitely, look, there's, there's events throughout history um, that sort of shock this the system, right? And yeah. our global system, and whether it's, sometimes it's a, the financial system, the social uh, architecture, you know, um, our, our, you know, cultural fa fabric, like just, you know, there's just these events that, that happen. And, and typically what those do is they accelerate trends that were already starting to happen and it and it um shakes out some of the the weaker uh companies in the case of business um i think in you know it, it probably the shock that is the the pandemic that we have been facing uh is also partly responsible for the the reaction to the social injustice that we're seeing um right you know, racial tension and so forth, which has existed for a long time. Yeah, it's not and, like it just started. No, and, um, you know, but again, I think as, as people are becoming more informed and people also can see that their feelings are shared by other people in different cities all over the world, all of a sudden that empowers you to um, have stronger feelings. And um, so I, so it's, it's, it's definitely a, a challenging time, but it's also for, again, for, for artists. And again, I, I, one of the things I live by is that there are pros and cons to everything in life. Nothing is all good or all bad. You just have to sort of take a deep breath and figure out what's good in a bad situation and what's maybe bad in a mm -hmm. good situation. 
Um, and so, you know, I think that for ne- right now for musicians, there's obviously, it's a challenge. Um, and there are other ways of, of making money. There's other ways of connecting with your fan base. A lot of DJs we've seen move to, you know, the online uh, streaming. We've participated in that with a few of our reconnect events. Um, and, uh, and so there, I think music is really all about what's that emotional connection I can create as a producer or performer of music and, and, and my fans. And I think that one of the things that, that, that artists are realizing is that they, that can be done through a computer screen. Um, and so, and I think there was a a statistic I just saw that something like 75% of, of um, concert goers are, are saying that they will watch an online event even after they're allowed to go back, you know, to a physical hmm. event. Um, so that, that's great. Uh, it's a new but, revenue stream, but it's also it's also another challenge for getting people to concert venues and movie theaters and nightclubs. Yeah, and that look, yeah, that's 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 going to be. I mean. Uh, that's going to be an interesting challenge. Um, but, you know, I think, dare I say, people are quick to forget and um, people are eager to get back together and have those experiences that are the some of the best memories of our lives going out to festivals. And, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, you know, I still remember when I bump into you at various festivals. And oh, so- I have to, I just realized I have to play you the song that I'm like literally mastering, like, I think tonight. Um, you'll it's it's you'll you'll know what you'll know the whole it's a story and you'll know the whole story it was a moment in time that i know you were around for yeah that's that's um but yeah so that's the that's the thing so i think i think we'll get back there i think artists just need to you know this is a great opportunity for artists to create i mean not only that's that's one of the coolest parts to think about yeah yeah i've been talking to a lot of djs you know so I'm on like another, I'm super critical. I have my, my opinions that, so, so like I'm super critical, but I'm kind of also like, I'm wide open in the sense that I'm very much like, this is what I, this is, this is my plan, but I don't need everyone else to follow it. But like, I see this time as very exciting to evolve club music in a way, because, you know, I have a lot of DJ friends that I would just, feel i i would i would argue that like you know they've just kind of been on autopilot for a long time and they're just making stuff that fuels the party that they just are consistently living and it wasn't disrupted so they kept doing it and then it got disrupted and now they're like oh shit what am i going to do no one actually cares about these like you know club tracks that i'm making they were just fuel for my dj sets and they don't really know how to respond. And my response is really simple. And I'm just like, you need to make something nuanced and personal. And, you know, you need to express yourself, not just make fuel for your DJ sets. And yeah, but, but at the same time, I'm also like, yeah, there's, I love DJ sets. And I love the music that makes up those DJ sets. But I think this is going to shake up creativity around, I think that it's going to shake up the, definitions around DJs, producers, DJ producers, you know, artists who also DJ and kind of just do appearances. I don't know. Like, where do you, where do you see? Cause that, that's evolved 
over the last 10, 15 years in a crazy, crazy way where, you know, DJing was not a, uh, you weren't a celebrity as there were a few celebrity DJs, but like, it wasn't a thing. It was like, it wasn't really a job. It was, or, or it was a job. It was literally a job. Like Justin Strauss was on my show and like, he was a DJ for a living for, you know, but it was like, you're not, no one's it's, you're not famous. You're, you're just like, you're the guy that plays records at this, at this place and you get paid a little bit of money to do it. And if you do it a lot, you can make a, a living on it, but it's not like you're getting, you know, $2,000 a night to play the New York city club night. You're getting like a hundred bucks, $300, you know? And then it changed and then people, you know, and then Beatport changed. And now that ecosystem yeah. is getting like this balance between get the awareness on the Beatport, get booked for DJ gigs. That balance is about to shift. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a few different cycles, or I guess the evolution of, of the DJ and, and um, you know, I mean, I can, I can tell you that back in the mid nineties, I think it was, I was in London um, at school, the London school of economics. And, and uh, I was big into drum and bass and jungle. And I would go to um, all, you know, the big clubs down there and, and uh, you know, those DJs like Mickey Finn and Randall and Dr. Escache and all those guys were like rock stars. I mean, when they would walk into the club with their, crates of records back then the vinyl you know the the you know crowd would part and you know the DJ would walk up to the booth you know like a messiah but um but yeah i mean you know you, you saw certainly shortly after beatport launched uh about 15 years ago more and more djs becoming producers and releasing stuff on their own labels and and uh and then that became kind of the thing that in order to be a reputable dj that you know, where you can make a career out of it, you also have to be a producer. Um, right. And so, you know, and now you're seeing sort of that evolution into not only a producer, but, you know, uh, live instruments. And, and, uh, and so, you know, there's, there's, uh, I think all different, you know, directions that, that you know, that evolution will continue. Uh, we are also seeing at B-Port a lot more, uh, beginner DJs, people who are hobby DJs, where they just, they love, like, where do we take music next, right? What's the next format in music? And I've kind of been saying lately that I think the DJ is the next format, right? Because now all of a sudden the, the, the costs uh, to, uh, to become a DJ are much lower in terms of the hardware or software. It's easier to learn. Um, and so, you know, there's even apps that can do it now. You just right? did a deal so, with, with, to put everything in the cloud with algorithm, with, with DJ, AY app. And anyone can yep. use that five minutes of learning curve. Yeah, exactly. So it's really easy. And, and then you, you can mix songs together and play with music and, and, uh, you know, create almost new, new songs out of put, putting two songs together and, and, that becomes, uh, you know, a, a new hobby that, you know, we think a lot of our data and, and some of our other uh, brother and sister companies in the space, we believe there's, you know, 10 to 15 million DJs out there in the world. And, and uh, you know, right now about, you know, half a million of them or so are current customers of Beatport. There's about a, you know, a million or so total professional DJs. And, um, yeah, we just think that there's a pretty big market opportunity there for for you know the, these new hobby DJs. 
So how does that change our live experience? We, you know, I don't know if we, if we frame that thought with, you know, post pandemic world, or we just think about it generally. But if you go from, you know, a million DJs in the world to 10, to, you know, you 10 X that, what does that do to culture to, uh, you know, where do they play? Who's listening? What's the makeup of, is that more events, fewer people at each event? Is that the nichification of it? What do you think that looks like? I, look, I think uh, if we live in sort of the post-pandemic world where this is almost kind of like the new norm and there's going to be other pandemics and you know so forth um, and people are going to... Thought. Uh, yeah, but you know, like maybe it brings yeah. back the house part. Maybe it brings back the house party. <laughs> um, and uh, oh, wait, here's my three year old daughter to show hey, me. Three year old daughter. Ants? Yeah, they're All right, well, why don't you go feed them and I'll be right up. Okay. All right. She found some ants. That's important. Yes, definitely. Uh, good job. Go feed them. She wants to feed them. Um, so, uh, sorry for that interlude, but this is, uh, this is the new normal, right? The post pandemic life. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not, Um, it's not like the, uh, your head of marketing coming in and being like, Hey, I need a quote for this thing. You know, it's, Hey, I found some ads. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, there's no Um, Zach Jaffe knocking on your door. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That always happens. Um, so, uh, so, you know, like, one of the ways I could see this evolving is um, more house parties, right? And if all of a sudden it's easy for everybody to set up a DJ booth from their iPad or their computer or whatever, um, uh, and they know how to DJ, well, sh- I can get 20 or 30 of my friends together and those are the people I want to dance with anyway and, yeah. and create a dance floor in my house. So, um, you know, that was one of those concepts behind launching our Reconnect uh, brand and series. On Will you introduce what where, Reconnect is for those who don't know? I, I've I've listened, but some listening won't. Yeah. So as soon as as soon as we saw the the pandemic becoming a reality, we we wanted to leverage you know our platform and our brand and our our audience to provide the electronic DJ community with an opportunity to DJ from their homes or bedrooms. Um, uh, and perform live for their fans. And we did it as a way initially just to try to reconnect our community. Um, but then it turned into a fundraiser. We thought we could, you know, we did raise a good amount of money for smaller companies that were struggling in the electronic music industry. Um, and it just became far more successful than we expected in terms of views and audience and, and, um, its impact on our community. And so we've now done more of these online events and we did it in partnership initially with Twitch, um, as the main kind of platform sponsor, obviously they're making a big move into, into music streaming. Um, but we also, uh, uh broadcast it on Facebook and YouTube and they've been very supportive as well. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's what reconnect is all about. <laughs> so go back upstairs. why aren't you feeding your ants what are the ants going to eat you can watch one show yeah you can go watch a show <laughs> yeah. all right you can watch two shows <laughs> Sorry. not at all so i think about some, something that I already think about before the context of this question is patronage in the new world of music where 
I yeah. think inevitably artists are going to need to say, if you want me to continue making art, we need, we, we need a different value system around support. It can't just be, you know, stream my music and pay the subscription fee on this thing. But like, if you want us to keep making records, we're not, we're, we're not going to be able to get advances from labels. And that's not going to happen the way that, you know, it used to happen. So if you want us to continue making th things, we need support. <clears throat> and those are, you know, straight up patronage models, I think are going to have to be instituted. Um, I guess, first of all, like, have you thought, you know, it, it, wh wh where do you see that going? And second of all, in this, in what you just said about the 10, 15 million DJs and the house parties and whatnot, that's going to affect the amount of working DJs that can, you know, make minimum wage as a DJ outside of the touring artists, the regular DJ kind of gets undercut in that situation. So we get, we get into more heavily the, you know, the patronage model becomes even more vital for those artists. Yeah, look, I think um, I think in some ways the patronage model actually could be a lot more efficient than the traditional model for funding record. Think about how many people dip their little fingers into that uh, you know that flow of money before the artist actually gets it. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it it you could an artist needs a lot less money to record that record, and yeah, I think that this could accelerate. Um, that business model uh, to the ultimate benefit of of the artists. Um, so, your other question about the sort of the look, yeah, I, I guess the, I was I already going to talk about patronage, and then if we're extending this, I guess it's like, yeah, they're they're tertiary, you know, they're related. But I think about patronage, and then I think about just like. I patronage for artists who are making records and who are touring and stuff like that. And then right beneath them <clears throat> are the artists that, you know, wouldn't, I guess, benefit from a patronage model because like, like I don't know what they do, like the regular resident DJs. I don't know. Well, so those guys, yeah. So, so look, I think there's a level of artists where this doesn't necessarily impact them or they'll continue to play certain big events and, and we'll figure out a healthy way to throw those events. If the smaller clubs in, in cities and towns continue to be shut down or people shy away from them. Yeah. I think that, that sort of the semi pro, if you will, DJ that makes a partial living from doing this, um, but it's not a full living you know, what do they do? Well, you know, look, I think that, and there may not be music producers. Um, I think that that evolves. And I think, you know, again, maybe that becomes the house party uh, model and they're brought in and paid a couple hundred bucks to DJ a house party and some kid promotes it and makes a little bit of money. I, you know, we find a way to, to gather and listen to music together and dance. Yeah. And, I guess they shift to their own patronage kind of model, which is, to, which is like their own D to C community based yeah. local. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I uh the other thing I think it's important to remember is that, you know, touring is obviously a big portion of a lot of revenue for artists. Um, but only a few artists actually make money from touring. Uh, you know, it's the really big ones. The the all the ones in the middle, especially if you're if you're in any genre other than dance music it costs a lot of money to get a rock band on the road. Like you're, you're running that thing 
you're, you're maybe making a hundred bucks a day per band member, but it's not, you know, until you start playing venues, a thousand, 2000 cap rooms, you're, you're, you're not making money. Um, right. So you have to find other way. It acts as a promotional vehicle and you, but you have to find other ways of making money um, uh, or, or sorry, you have to find other ways of promoting your content. And that's where, you know, you see artists that were already set up and active online uh, were the ones who adjusted most quickly to this post pandemic reality. DJs though have a good profit and loss with touring as long as they can tour and mm -hmm. incentivize them to keep, keep, you know, the, the, the model has worked for a long time where, you know, DJs put tracks out, they put charts out on Beatport, they, you know, they chart and that is the resume builder for, you know, Beatport has so long been a resume builder for DJs to tour and. Yep. Yep. It has a big charting on Beatport has a, has I think a, a larger impact on your uh, performance, the increase of your performance fee than any other metric, um, you know, according to most agents. So, um, so what do we do? Yeah. What happens when that changes? How does that affect Beatport? How does that affect artists when they can't, convert that um well again i i think we're going to get back to some someone some form of of touring and and uh and so i think it'll be there for a lot of these djs and and um uh it's i hope and it would expect that we'll continue to have the uh impact positive impact on djs careers um and, uh, you know, I guess we just got to see what happens. Did you see what Spotify did where they put the uh, donation button on their artist pages? I did. Yep. I did. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how effective that's been. Uh, Me too. Have you got any data on it? Uh, I have, I don't think they'll, I don't think we will get data on it. I don't expect, I have, I have no data on it. Uh, I can make very, very easy guesses though. Um, I thought that it was, I thought it was kind of, it was bullshit <laughs> basically. <laughs> uh, Cause it just made, I think it just made the middle, it, it just made the middle more embarrassed at being in the middle um, yeah. because they are shamed yeah, I mean, into, you know, admitting it yeah. that they don't make enough money or not admitting that they don't make enough money. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're definitely trying to do more to, um, become, you know, like the operating system for DJs and, um, give DJs and producers tools to connect with each other. Cause you got to remember Beatport's pretty unique, especially as it relates to, you know, as compared to like Spotify and Apple you know, we, we sell music to DJs and right yeah. now, you know, 95% of our, uh, sales are from downloads and it's the only place in the world where downloads are still increasing. And it's because DJs still download music, save them to USB sticks and, and, and take them to their gigs. Um, right. but I, I also, love hearing you say that. So sorry to, to, to yeah. step on you for a second, but like, just remember that time where, they thought it was something else that they were splitting it up and there was classic.bport and we were going to have three different systems and 
Beatport was going to be this like consumer oriented thing and all that stuff. I remember you and I talked a lot during that period. And, and I talked to yeah. a bunch of other people during that period that, that are no longer around, but, uh, that was crazy. And I'm so happy that you can just, you know, the CEO of Beatport can say definitively Beatport is a place that sells downloads to DJs. Like that's what it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. I mean, the DJ is at the center of our ecosystem. And, and it's, it's interesting because it's, it's a two-sided marketplace where DJs are on both sides. They, they're right. literally there to buy and sell to each other. Yes. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of tools that we're trying to create right now and, and give to these DJs to, uh, to connect more directly with each other and, and engage in, in that commerce and share information and data and, and yeah, while we, we certainly, and I think it's kind of ironic that DJs are kind of like tastemakers in music, but seem to be the last to adopt certain technology uh, leap, leap forwards, technological leap forwards, like streaming. Um, right. The reality is you can't, you know, they're worried about streaming in the DJ booth and sound quality and, and, and internet interruptions. Well, we now have Beatport Link, uh, and which which integrates our entire uh, store experience into DJ performance software and hardware, uh, and so DJs can uh, store things offline w right in the DJ uh, software. Um, and uh, you know we're seeing now a lot of DJs begin to start to use Link to. You know, some DJs that don't want to change their workflow from the USB sticks are just using it sort of to test out mixes um, and songs, you know, the mixes before they download them. Uh, others are using it, you know, mostly hobbyists probably as, as their dominant, you know, preferred way of, of DJing. And it's really cool. All of a sudden you can, you know, experiment with, you know, nine or 10 million songs. Right. And um, if you haven't tried it yet, you really should. It's, it's just, it's a I've been using, I, I was, I was early adopter before Beatport was, do, I was doing it. No, 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 sorry. It was Beatport, uh, like Pulse Locker and stuff like that, like yeah. with Serato yeah. and Beatport integrated. Like yeah. Um, I, I was doing it because I play, like I played, you know, house music and techno sets when I would play clubs and when I would you know move around and stuff but when it was my party I played pretty not open format necessarily in the way that they like not like you know playing mashups and shit that i know like still is associated with open format but more just like i'll play all over the place and i'll play an r&b track in the middle of a house set and stuff like when it's right. my party i do that so i was using lockers early on because i would just like want access i would just want to be able to just like oh my god i need to play this fucking random like i would love to do that and um like at my reunion parties when it was my room i would do that and i would i would like spin the record back and just like drop something that i felt that's, awesome. that, that, that's, that's yeah. fun though right and that's yeah. that's a, it's funny because you know we and i you know as you know we launched beat source as our open format brand for, for right. that community of djs where you don't just have to play, you know, three hours of minimal techno or whatever in, right. a, in a basement, which is USBs fine, are great for three hours of minimal techno <laughs> for house music DJs that would just want to play 122 BPM for infinite. Like it's great to have a USB, but if you are going all over the place, like I, there, my friends had this like camp party that we did and we would take over like summer camps and I used to play a bunch of them. They were just so much fun. And 
like I couldn't play on a USB for those nights because these are random people who are not like club goers and I needed to go and play like some, you know, 90s hip hop song and then I needed to play like like 25 minutes of house music and then I needed right. to play, you know, like EDM and, and I needed that to happen in like seconds. Right. Not like I can't just go through my folders and twiddle a fucking knob on my USB on, on the tiny record box screen on the CDJ. Like this is not a criticism of Pioneer that, the thing is beautiful. I love it. But I just mean, it's not meant for that. It's meant for, you know, having a vibe and sticking to that vibe. But if you want to bounce all over the place, like it's much more efficient to have a bigger screen and to be able to um, just think of something and pull it up. And the locker is a wonderful experience when it, when it works. And when you sort of get into the rhythm of it, it's, it's, yeah, it's it's awesome. So there's a freedom to it. Yeah. I remember I played in New Orleans and I just like I had the locker on uh on DJ you know, DJ AY algorithm one. Yeah. Um because I didn't have a setup. I was playing it like, you know, in New Orleans, like everything is technologically like nothing. So I didn't have decks. And I yeah. just had a laptop with a, you know, a a one eighth. Um and yeah, and I'm just like people are coming. It's it was just a fucking jam. It was a party. And like people are like, yo, play that other big timers. And I like, okay. I can like, <laughs> I could just, I could just pull it up. Yes. I have that big timer song. <laughs> yeah. It's more mobile, right? That's the, that's exactly. the thing. It's uh, interoperable mobile. It's easy to use. And that's why the barriers to entry are, are come down. And, and, you know, we, we realized that a lot of the new DJs that we're trying to bring into the overall sort of ecosystem may gravitate initially at least towards uh, pop and hip hop and, you know, the open yeah. format. Uh, DJ uh, genres, and so that's why we we created BeatSource, and we have BeatSource Link, just like we have Beatport Link. And you know, uh, getting back to the impact of the pandemic, you know, we launched Link uh, late last year, and and it was growing well, you know, but but um, we really saw like a two to three x increase in in subscribers subscriber rate. Uh, um, right after the pandemic started, because everyone wow. was stuck at home, being like, "Hey, what new thing do I want to do?" Uh, right. And so, um, you know, we've been uh, a bit of a best timing for both. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's it's certainly it's certainly interesting uh, times to say the least. <laughs> What's your experience with one of the huge conflicts in? Um, you know, in music in general and in, in, in creative content is, is, is a network effect. And the way that top 40 radio really dominated the last chapter of the music industry. And if you couldn't get on top 40 radio, you couldn't make revenue. Now what's happening is if you can't get on the Spotify playlists, you can't make revenue in that way and you need to find something else. What is your experience comparing Spotify playlisting to, you know, a Beatport chart that you've been doing this way longer than, then play, you know, playlists are a new thing. Beatport charts have been around for a long time. DJs have been working with charts for a long time. What's your experience of integrating that into the ecosystem, converting that to revenue versus the way that we've been experiencing it with playlisting and streaming? Uh, so the Beatport charts and Spotify playlists are uh, very, very, very different. So Beatport is um, quite underground uh, and the length of time that a song really lives and and breathes and gets has economic value on Beatport is a lot shorter than it is on Spotify. Unless you're um, Martin Garrix or Avicii or you know, yeah. 
Yeah, but you know that stuff doesn't really sell on Beatport, right? There's the occasional one. Oh, but... really? I thought they were like epic, like back no, in the day. I mean, oh, okay. No, I mean, they, it's looks. There's some of that stuff which we categorize as sort of generic dance or or um, you know the four letter word EDM, which uh, <laughs> is um, it was really, in in my opinion. Uh, just the an acronym given to uh, define uh, the uh, sort of mass uh, consumerism related yes. to festivals, right? And and uh, it's really commercial dance music, which has existed in the United States for decades, uh, but now they call it EDM. And EDM for us, it was a marketing EDM, term. It, yeah, it's a marketing term. And EDM for us is is um, a a subgenre, and there's about 25 or 26 of them at Beatport of electronic music, and it just represents sort of commercial festival, big room kind of dance music that you may hear on on the radio or you know. There was a time where it was just progressive house, and Beatport only had progressive house. Eventually, big room came after. I'm pretty sure, but for a while, at the peak of EDM, it was progressive house, and then there was dubstep. Those were the thing. It was basically either you're at 128 BPM or you're at 140 slash 70 and you're in one of those two categories and that was it. And then yeah. someone out there. So that stuff doesn't sell on Beatport, right? So it, yeah. it, it, um, I'll give you like an interesting statistic that the, um, you know, a lot of that stuff actually lives at the, you know, the major labels now, right? Cause I saw it these play the festivals and so we're going to sign it and, um, since and, levels. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but the major labels in aggregate make up about 5% of our uh, you know, revenue share at, at Beatport. So right. where, whereas they make up 70, 80%, you know, in, in the overall music industry, they, they represent a very small portion of, of Beatport. So, um, you know, we're very independently uh, driven in terms of music. Uh, and also the reality is, no DJ really wants to play what every other DJ is playing. You want to have your, your own unique sound. So you're not really typically buying the same song that everyone else is buying. They, 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 they're crate diggers. The Beatport experience is, is I want to find cool diversity tracks. Yeah. That no one else is playing. And that sets me apart from them. Whereas the open format DJ and the whole beat source shopping experience is much more playlist driven. So mm -hmm. The beat source playlist, like if you went on that website now, you know, those playlists may look a lot uh, like the Spotify playlist. And we're talking about lean forward versus lean back in a big way. Yeah. As a yeah. consumer in general. Exactly. Um, so it's, so, you know, for us, I think, you know, Beatport is a, is a, is a, Fascinating company, obviously, as you were just saying, sort of ran into some trouble with a, a new owner, SFX, about six years ago, and um, went through that bankruptcy with with that parent company. And when I joined a couple of years ago, it just it really needed a whole renovation and rethink and and repositioning. And uh, we've spent the last couple of years with the support of our investment group. Um, uh, you know, trying to develop these tools and, and services for the DJ community. Uh, and I think, you know, we're, we're, we're getting closer to where we want to be, but, you know, we're going to continue to invest and innovate through 2021. And I think at that time, we'll, you'll be able to see, you know, much more intuitive user experience, a lot more tools for labels and DJs. 
um, you know, obviously increased adoption of Link, some amazing data coming from, from Link because That's as great. more and more DJs use Link, you will be able to know what songs DJs are playing in what order anywhere in the world. And so, you know, that's pretty powerful marketing. You data. have real uh, DJ charts, like, like, like not charts, like the ones we were talking about, but like, uh, you know, what are DJs playing out in the world? Cause that's yep. been a challenge for the DJ world for, you know, forever that people have attempted to make DJ charts of like, what are the hottest club records? And they've just always been like corrupt. Basically they're not real. Yeah. They're manipulated. Like I'm a chart reporter on billboard and, they're, it's not real. Like, like all love to Gordon and, and the chart. It's valuable for what it is, but it represents something else. It does not represent what is getting played most in the clubs in the United States of America. That's just not what it is. Um, I think the lean forward versus lean back is a really cool thing, cool way to look at it. That you know, Beatport is an ecosystem, is a platform entirely for the lean forward consumer be that a consumer creator, whatever they are, just your consumer, your customer, if you will, is exclusively the one who comes for something. There's no one who said, you know, we have this, uh, this weird thing that happened over the last few years where it's like, what we didn't, we didn't predict this, or I don't know, someone made it, might have, but we didn't, I, I didn't. The behavior of I get home, I want to turn on the TV. I get home or I get in the car, I want to turn on the radio. We forgot that people, once given all the movies in the world, they still just ended up coming. I just want to turn on the Netflix, you know, once given all the music in the world, you could play your yeah. favorite record or you could play the new artist that you want to hear. I just want to turn on that playlist that I like that passive listen and Beatport is exclusively for the active listener. That's very cool. Yeah, it really is. Yep. Um, and, and, uh, it's, it's unbelievable seeing the user behavior as well and just how these DJs are able to find these, these gems and, and, you know, almost give them life again. Um, mm. And I think that if a lot of times what ends up happening is the owner of that sound recording doesn't really know anything about the DJ that's purchased it and maybe playing it before in a festival before tens of thousands of people in you know Budapest and uh it's like we want to be able to tell them that so then they can action some advertising around the playing of that song communicate with that DJ even you know sending them their new releases I mean there's there's value that that DJ all of a sudden is creating in that underlying sound recording that um right now nobody really right. knows about so that's those are the dots that we want to try to connect for our community so Shifting a little bit like from that, but analoging it to your past with faction, with in-grooves as an entrepreneur, as someone who pays attention to certain things, what informed you to be in the position that you're in right now that you're taking that information in and you're turning it into action as a CEO? Well, I think I'm... Uh... I think I'm probably just lucky that I've been around doing this now for so long. I mean, I, uh, I, yeah, I started in grooves back in 2002, just as the digital revolution was taking hold. And, um, you know, we supplied music to the usual suspects like Apple and, um, you know, back then, uh, Rhapsody and companies like that. And Yo, two seconds for Rhapsody. Can we just like to any of the people out there that know Rhapsody is the OG in 2003. 
I was streaming yep. music, not just on my laptop, but I had a portable MiFi, it was called. It was four gigabytes, and I had to plug it in every 30 days, and I could keep four gigabytes of music from a streaming service offline, and I could yep. stream everything that Spotify has today, all the millions of tracks. I could stream it on Rhapsody in 2003. Yep. 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 That existed. I There's know. an article you could go back into uh, Bob Left Sets from 2003. Yep. I, it's me, I think Mike Karen and I talked about Rhapsody. Like, and we were both like, I, it was more me. And I was just like, what the fuck? Why is this not everything? Know, why, the, like, the, why the does anything else had, matter? Yeah, it was, it was the go-to service for the hardcore. I was like a child, then, but. They, yeah, they didn't have the iPod. But, um, so yeah, but, but the MiFi was amazing. Uh, yeah, 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 and and Ingroove started with you know focusing on electronic music, and so when Beatport uh, was launching, was getting ready to launch, they came to us because they needed um, more content, and we'd aggregated a bunch. And so um, I was, I was there. Ingroove was independent distributor, uh, infrastructure for independent record labels. I'm yeah. giving a very quick, yeah. you know. So yeah, it became uh, the backend infrastructure for Universal as well, and yeah. uh, and so. And if you look had, at Cobalt, you know, if you look at a wall today, like obviously very very different in the space, but like similar connotation of construct, right? Is that a yeah yeah? Ingrus okay. was was uh, was like DistroKid and TuneCore and. Uh, all these companies before they existed. And um, we started about uh, probably six to 12 months before the orchard got into digital. Um, so it was one of the first and got to be one of the biggest. And um, uh, it was a, it was a fun ride there for, for a while. Um, but uh, so we, we supplied B port with a lot of their electronic music and um, uh, that's how I got to know the company. So, you know, and obviously being sort of a, a hobby DJ on and off for the past couple of decades, I, uh, um, you know, certainly when the Beatport opportunity came to me, I sort of jumped jumped at the uh, chance to to work with a great brand and, and a lot of good people at the company that, uh, you know, they just needed to believe in something again and, and the community. The one thing about Beatport is it's got it's got so much loyalty in the community and everybody that I have talked to over the years, they just want Beatport to be successful. And um, yeah. so now we're, we're trying to sort of realize that, that obligation that we, uh, we owe to our community. It's a nice way to think about it. So yeah. I want to let you go back to running Beatport because you're the boss. And before <laughs> I do that, I want to ask you, you know, as, as a person, right now as a guy you're the you're the ceo of a, of, a, of a company you have i don't know how many employees but a bunch of employees what has life been like for you both as a day-to-day -day, you're you know running an operation and also like as a person like you know I, I know you well enough to know that like there's ideas that have shifted inside of you and i'm really interested in like in what's been going on with you as, as a leader as a person connecting with other people day to day um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, Beatport has about a hundred employees, uh, fairly evenly dispersed between LA, Denver, which is where the company was founded and, um, Berlin, which is sort of the, the heart and soul of at least techno, uh, these days. And, and Terry. Um, 
Beeport's had a presence there for, for some time. And so we've got um, a lot of our sales and marketing staff there. So, you know, we've had to communicate as a um, globally dispersed uh, organization for some time. And, and, you know, for me with our employees, uh, it was really just empowering them to do more of what they are already capable of doing. And um, they did a great job adjusting to work from home and, and dealing with the stress of the pandemic. And, you know, we did, you know, there's a lot of uh, Zoom cocktail hours and we did uh, like company yoga and meditation on Zoom and just found different ways to stay in touch. I think everybody also really rallied around the reconnect uh, uh, efforts cool, yeah. and those, those concerts. And so that gave people this, this, um, this, this thing to get excited about. And, you know, again, as a company, we've been very lucky because we've, we've, our performance has been very good throughout all of this. Uh, and so we're just trying to do all we can to keep our community afloat. Um, you know, we can't fix everything. Um, we can't make everything better, but we can just try to do what we do and do more of it. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know. As a leader, I've never, I just try to be myself and I just try to be vulnerable to people. I, uh, I'm here as to listen to what they have to say to their fears, uh, try to sort of humanize and personalize everything. Um, and just let them know that, you know, we're going to get through this stronger, that these are the kinds of opportunities and, uh, or I guess, you know, challenges where you can come out of it a stronger company, a better person, and, and we've just got to stay the course. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I've just been really proud of our, of our company and our community because um, we've, we've really uh, been rising up to the challenge that has been presented to us. Who are you most excited to see DJ next? Personally. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't. Am I allowed to even say that? Why, why not? <laughs> You're allowed to say I love a certain DJ, or just it doesn't need to be your number one. Who's someone who comes to mind that you're really excited to see, and where? How about that? Like just like a fantasy. Doesn't need to be. Don't need to pick a favorite. But what's like a fantasy gig that like you got to make happen when uh, when the world when in the new world. Well, that's, I mean, one of the great things about these reconnect series is I've gotten to see these You're DJs it, yeah. and, and we're doing it. And, and it's just been incredible what some of them are doing. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit bummed that the, I mean, it looks like the whole summer in Ibiza season is, is not going to happen. And that's obviously a great place to see uh, uh, some DJs and black coffee is somebody that I've, actually been dying to to see and I was supposed to see him last summer in, in Ibiza and I just couldn't stay up that late. <laughs> he wasn't going off till like 4 a.m. and I was so tired from working all day. I, I turned to my wife and I'm like, I, I Oh, if you're not on the home. calendar. Yeah. I mean, you can't do that. Yeah. 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 So, um, but, uh, you know, I've, I'm also like, I really like some of the, um, like female, techno DJs that, that um, I've been introduced to like Charlotte DeWitt and, and Nina Kravitz and so forth. Awesome. And I like, Oh my God. To, in like Miami. Or <laughs> I, uh, Nina did a show Grimes put together a show 
in Miami during Art Basel. And um, it was like the one party that I went to for the whole time, for the whole thing, basically. And we stood on stage for all of, we were like bouncing around. It was Sophie Grimes and Nina Kravitz. And um, we stood behind Nina for like the entire show. And I was just in heaven. I was just like, I, yeah, I love her cool. so she much. Cool. She did something for us for Reconnect. Yeah, she was, cool. she did a great set. But um, but yeah, look, I think there's so much great music out there, so many great artists that it'll be it'll be good to to see them all sometime soon. You know something? I was about to rap, and then as you, as we said, Reconnect. Have you thought about spoken? Have you thought about like podcast kind of content around dance music, like with with uh you know with um you know Beat Portal or like like. Is that yeah, a lane we, for you? We, yeah, we we started doing some, I think, and and certainly as we realize, you know, the opportunities around, um, you know, this music content and performances and and uh, you know broadcast on places like Twitch and YouTube, you know, I think there are opportunities for Port to become more of a of a media uh, company in that respect and and helping uh you know inform people about everything going on in our community and culture i think that could be cool because i've been trying to put lots of djs on and um it's it's tricky because they're not used to talking you know and um they don't everyone is very humble and pointing to other people all the time but you know there's certain i'm i'm, I'm starting to learn like you know the best ways to get the stories and the, and the because there's there's brilliant ideas behind that they don't want to talk about it they just want to play they just want to do it that's like the creed and that's why i love them but yeah there's also you know um i want to i want to spread word i want to market them i want to connect ideas you know the the, the purpose of this show for me is very much sort of a centerpiece like in my life right now i have my music i have my film i have my clothes i have my events i have these different things and my thesis behind all of it is like you know there's a there's a consistency to it and these djs that i like the same kinds of people who like the tea that i like are like this is the kind of dj that they're going to be digging and this is the kind of filmmaker that they're going to want to hear from stuff like that and and i think that going deeper with these people and circulating them amongst other in-depth, you know, conversation, like just adds breadth and adds to the audience, which I think is, is our, it's going to be our big challenge moving forward. I love that Absolutely. there's infrastructure. I love that you guys move horizontal. I talk about that all the time. I think everything has to move horizontal, both platform and artists meaning like rather than just push 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 and market 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 and promote 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 and get numbers up just leave the numbers where they are and move more quality vertical so you know the way that you're developing beat source and stuff like that is huge uh, you and I talked offline bef- you know a few years ago and it's it's amazing how you you've executed like everything I wanted you to execute not, not that it's at all for me. It's just as a, as a consumer, as a fan, uh, I like wanted things for Beatport. As you talked about, like people root for Beatport. I've always rooted for Beatport. And there was a time where, uh, you know, I was, I was on like a weird and awkward side of the conversation because of, because of my job and because of your owners and shit. And like, I was trying to figure something out, but um, no one wanted to do the stuff 
no one wanted to do it this way and you're doing it exactly how it needed to be done. And I'm thrilled. So. Well, that means, that means a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Look, I think a lot of that comes from listening to uh, folks like you and again, who are passionate about what we do and our community. And um, you know, we're, we're, we always want to engage in that dialogue and hear from you. So keep the ideas flowing and, and um, yeah. keep the love coming. DJs listening. Like you have, you have a partner, you have a, a platform that cares exclusively about you. Exactly. All right, Sean. Well, thank you Yo, very much. Thank Appreciate you it. so much. This is a pleasure. And in the new world, tea in person. It's, absolutely. Or margaritas. <laughs> margaritas both. All right. Thank you so much, man. You have a great night and, and stay safe. All right. All right. Peace.